What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Old English D, a Detroit Tigers podcast. As always, I'm one of your hosts, Casey, alongside Josh. How are you doing this week, Josh? Doing pretty good, man. Doing doing pretty good. I only got rained on three times this week. <laughs> Do you ever carry an umbrella to the roof? See, no, I typically don't have enough hands to to carry to carry an umbrella. I've That's already fair. got That's fair. a tool bag and a tablet and my phone and it's just it's too too much already going on to to do that. Now I feel like like the rain is one thing, right? Like like that's that's scary enough. You're already on the roof and it's it's already raining and sometimes I mean obviously like if it's raining too hard you you can't actually go do the job. But has it ever been scary enough like raining enough where you cannot climb the ladder? Have you ever like not like avoided or had to reschedule and like you didn't plan in advance and you could barely climb the ladder and you were scared for your life? So I typically, the way I run it is I, I reschedule it. I leave that window open up until I'm climbing the ladder. So if I get there and I, I do all of the outside inspection and then I go to get on the roof and it starts pouring, I'll reschedule the rest of the inspection. So it, I leave myself out there. If I'm already on the roof and it starts raining, I'll just finish up. I'll just finish what I have. I've already climbed get, on the roof. Yeah, that's true. But then you got to climb down the ladder. I feel like that's <laughs> right. It just affects the speed at which I climb down the ladder. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Intentional or unintentional. Okay. So we didn't fall this week. We still, we survived another week. Yeah. Yep. And, and no wet ladders that we climbed. No, no wet ladders. Only I... got attacked by one hornet's nest, but that's. That's, <laughs> that's right. That is right. I do remember you telling me that. Uh, good thing you're not allergic. That's, that's, that's good. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's funny you say that because I actually also had a run in with some bees over, over the week. Um, I was at a closing and we were just in the field, uh, while we were waiting for some things to be signed and long story short, but it, we were just in the field outside and cause it was a nice day out and I looked down and there's just these two flipping hornets. Yeah. On my shoe, I flipped out. I was freaking out, man. Because, like, you know those ground bees, those things are no joke. Those things are absolutely no joke. Then, then, funny story, I, like, kicked it off or whatever, and then, like, the whole time we were just kind of sitting in the field, I was trying to act, like, all cool and stuff. Like, I wasn't scared of the bees, but I was totally scared of the bees. And we get in on with the conversation, whatever, fine. We're walking, like, we're leaving the place that we were at, and one of my clients got stung by the bee. Oh, good. It was very... <laughs> Good. good thing they had already signed and everything it was on their signing hand it was on their it was on their dominant hand and so they they got stung i didn't i was very happy uh but this is not a uh b podcast this is a detroit <laughs> tigers podcast where we talk about uh anything and everything to do with the tigers except for the actual detroit tigers team because they're abysmal um and this week we're going to talk about uh we're going to round up some updates about the team we're going to talk about Sunday's game that was just a delightful showing of beautiful things um, we're gonna do some resetting of expectations have some Miggy conversation and then we're gonna talk about this week's of games how's that sound sounds like a plan let's run it awesome sweet so to kick us off I realized because we kind of hit the you know the time in the season where uh had a lot of news come out. We had the draft first off. That was like very exciting. It took up a lot of our time. Um, we had then the trade deadline, which we did like a little bit of a trade deadline special. 
Um, that was a lot of fun. Hopefully you guys uh, enjoyed that. If you hadn't uh, had a chance to listen to it, go back and listen to that. We went over the boringness that was the Tigers trade deadline, but then also the excitingness that was the rest of the league's trade deadline. And we've kind of been skipping on like actually updating the kids on what's actually happening with, <laughs> with the Tigers themselves and the Tigers proper, mostly because it's kind of sad. It's kind of sad to talk about, but I figured we would uh, probably do a little bit of a quick update. Um, first things first, the Tigers record, which uh, is still just abysmal, but we're sitting at 43 and 67, Josh, 43 and 67. Um, I think this last week we went, what, let's see. Um, yeah, we, we won two games last week. We won two games and should have won Sunday's game, but we'll, we'll (laughs) cover that when we get there. Um, but is there anything specific that you wanted to touch on with these weeks again, with this last weeks of games? Not, not anything super specific. Uh, I know we're going to get into the game more specifically. I think the biggest, but the, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me from this last week is Matt Manning. Um, we're going to break that game down a little bit further, but just see. Well, let's just him do it now. We've been talking about it. We can talk about it right now. Yeah, Sunday's game was probably like the perfect, you know, microcosm of the entire of the season, entirety of the season. So what what happened, Josh? What happened in Sunday's game? Uh, Matt Manning pitched out of his mind on Sunday. So Best second start game of his back. Career. Second game back out of uh, whatever arm-related injury that he had, he uh, he came out, pitched seven shutout innings, allowed what like I, I need to pull up his line or else I'm going to completely butcher it. But I mean, and they even said on the broadcast he had never gone into the seventh inning on the start. Yeah, he's only the third Tigers pitcher to complete the seventh inning. Uh, Scoobles done it four times, uh, two other times that were shutouts, and uh, Brisky was the other one. So he went seven innings, four hits, three walks, seven strikeouts, which also tied a career high, the strikeouts. And so, I think he had like 12 or 13 swings and misses. I thought it was higher than that, but I could yeah, be I good. mean, somewhere around there, but I mean, like the strikeout, like obviously like strikeouts. It was high. It was yeah, very high for sure, but he, he was missing bats. He was missing barrels and he, he did exactly what he needed to do, which to be, to be uh, fair to him. That was one of the biggest things that we, we kind of ragged on him last year for, especially when he came up is that he was getting outs, but he was not missing bats. He was not inducing a lot of swing and miss or soft contact. And, you know, in the first two starts that he's been back, he's he's got a lot of soft contact. He's got a lot, a lot of swing and misses. So we like that. We like to see that out of Matt Manning. But uh, the flip side of that is that uh, the, the Tigers uh, managed three hits, three <laughs> hits in that game. No, rebuild on starting pitching. It's fine. Yeah, it, it, that makes sense. Just so frustrating because, I mean, Matt Manning allowed one more hit to the to the Rays than they allowed us. Period in the game, and it's it's just everybody at this point, and it seems like it's just going to drag this team down the rest of the year. And I don't know. Riley, just, Riley had a hit. <laughs> he did. So did Harold Gastro. Javi did not have a hit. Cody Clemens I mean, had a hit. 
I did see that. I'm just getting excited about the hits at this point. Can we pretend they're home runs? Yeah, well, Valley Sports Detroit's going to have to switch it to if if you if they get three hits, we get curly fries, not three runs. Yeah, right, right. right. We, we, we already downgraded from three home runs. Now it's just three runs, and now it's going to have to be three hits. Doesn't matter if they score a run or not, but here we go. <laughs> Uh, I know um, kind of so, contentious moment that we had here after watching that game today, though. Well, was... Yeah. So, I mean, like, everything you're saying, right? Like, I mean, like, oh, Manning was dominant, you know, didn't let any run score, yada, yada, yada. Okay. So what did we lose by Josh? Seven. Seven. Gotcha. <laughs> Seven runs. So much for that amazing bullpen, huh? I just, but, I had, we, we both have some thoughts on this. So, uh, yeah, so, I mean, right, Manning pitches great for seven innings. And then we have Lang, who came in for an inning, and, you know, he, he pitched fine, whatever. Um, and this is where we start to, you know, have some dissenting opinions. And, and I will forever defend Gregory Soto. Not because he's the best pitcher in the world, not because he's the best closer in the world, but just because having a lefty who throws 100 miles an hour is an incredible asset out of the bullpen. I don't, I mean, it's just, it's just the way it is. I don't, I mean, I get it. You need to throw strikes. I get it. Sometimes he's very erratic, but at one point, and I mean, realistically, they still are a top seven bullpen in the league. I mean, like they still have an earned run average that's well within um, anything better it's been in the last six years and yes we all know that Soto has some moments and it was pretty clear from the get that Soto was going to have one of his very erratic showings now it's important to note he came in at a zero zero ball game and AJ's done this before and this has worked out before and this has not worked out before And in my anecdotal summation of putting your quote-unquote closer in a non-safe situation is it just never works out. Now, of course, there are times when it has worked out plenty fine. And this is the exact reason AJ does not like to use the word or the term closer is because he wants to leave that up for the possibility of, of having um, the potential to bring Soto in, in a very quote unquote high leverage situation. And this is that high leverage situation. You're a dominant arm. You're a lefty. You should be able to get through this inning, but something about the mentality of being the closer of having that title of being in, the game, when you have the lead and shut it down, your brain almost doesn't turn on. It's just this human element. Your brain just doesn't turn on. It doesn't have the same kind of adrenaline running. You're not in the same situation. You're not even sure you're going to get the win. I get it. You got to get past this inning in order to even have the chance to get the win, but it's a zero, zero ball game. It's a tie ball game. It's not the same situation as every other close and every other save. And AJ puts him in. Now, does Soto fail? Of course. Completely failed. We can both agree on that. But was he set up for success? And that's where I think we disagree. What's your thing? What's your uh, thought process on it? We completely agree on his usage 
here. And I would agree on every single closer's usage. If it, like put any single, any other closer in this situation, and I would agree with you. If you're going to call, if you're going to have the named person out of the bullpen, the be the closer, then you need to use them to close games and you need to reserve them for mostly that. Unless you haven't pitched in a while and you need to get them out there in a, in a, you know, four or five run game every once in a while just to get them some work. I understand that you have other guys in this bullpen. We still have guys in this bullpen that can go out there and get outs. It's the seventh ranked bullpen for a reason because there's more than just one guy. And you, I, I completely agree with you. You have to use him better in that situation. We, we both, we both agree on that. My issue comes from calling Gregory Soto a good reliever. I have said from the very get-go that I do not like Gregory Soto, especially out of the back end of the bullpen. He may be a decent reliever, a decent middle relief option, honestly, long-term. I do not like him out of the back end. And the reason why, and you kind of touched on that a little bit earlier, his control. If you have a pitcher that walks batters, you, he can't be in the back end of the bullpen. I'm on Baseball Savant right now. I pulled up Gregory Soto's page. He's ranked in the 11th percentile in walk rate, walk percentage. For anybody that doesn't quite understand it because it's confusing, percentile ranks is what percent of the league you are better than. He's better than only 11% of the league in walk percentage. He's better than only 1% of the league in average exit velocity. He's better than 13% of the league in hard hit percentage. And a lot of these stats are down here in the 20s, teens, like chase rate, barrel percentage, like a bunch of these, like when you dig into the statistics, Gregory Soto is not that good of a pitcher. I personally don't understand how he's been to two all-star games. I understand him having the closers title gives him a little more cachet. I don't think he should have it. I don't think he should be even pitching out of the back end of this bullpen. That's, I think, where we we disagree with more. Yet he throws it fast. But you, if you can't throw it in the zone in a close game and you put guys on base, we all know what happens when you walk batters in close games. You, you walk one or two batters, that's two base runners that you've just given them for free. They didn't have to do anything to earn. So I don't think anybody is out here arguing that walks are okay. But... Yeah, right. no, no, for sure. I mean, and I, I always go by the old adage of walks a run. I mean, as soon as you walk someone, that that by all rights should come around to score. That is that is a base runner that should not have been on base, and that's an out that you completely gave to the other team. My question is, minus Alex Lang, which again, I'm not even necessarily have like that much confidence in him either to to close out a game. Who has proven to you that they can come in and do the same thing that Soto? has done in the bullpen. Who Dude, else would you have? This, who else would I have closing? Yeah. I mean, we've seen Will Vest come in in big situations. I like him. And and that's the thing. They sent him down at one point. <laughs> like, like there's a reason they sent him down at one point. I know they had to call him right back, but I mean, like, I mean, I, Lang, I don't trust anyone as much as I trust Soto. I mean, it just, it's just because of experience. It, it, Chafin has more experience than Soto and I'd trust Chafin before Soto any day. Does he have more experience closing, though? I know he has experience in the bullpen, but how many, okay. sa- how many career saves does Andrew Chase Anybody have? can come out of the back end of the bullpen and blow a save, Casey. That doesn't count as experience. 
I, I mean, he has, uh, okay, hold on, hold on. We're going to too many. Can You're on his baseball. What do you want? What do you want? I've got baseball reference up and I have baseball. Savant. Okay. Well, I was just on his baseball reference. Can you tell me how many career saves he has? Soto, that is. Soto has 40 career saves, 4-0. Okay. okay. Um, of course, that's not like the first stat they show on Chafin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chafin has a career... I want to say nine, but it looks like less, definitely less than 10. Oh, no. Okay. I see it. I have to add them up, though. It doesn't um, have it added together? No, not in like a specific column, which is frustrating. Uh, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. He has, okay, he has 15 saves going back to 2015. I would take 40 he has, in he the has last nine, nine saves, case. But then I, but right, no, I saw that number, but then I go back to 2015 and it says he has two in, in 2015, and then he has one in 2020, he has one in 2020. Oh, well, that's awkward. <laughs> Why does it have 2020 listed twice? Because he got traded from Arizona to Chicago. So well, that's the, just the, a dumb way to put it. Yeah. Okay, so you're saying, you're saying yeah. that nine years column is, is nine saves. Yes. Like the, yep. Okay. The bottom, the bottom one is the totals. Okay, cool. Well, there you go. Nine career saves to Soros, 40 career saves. However many you said, I forget this point. It's just straight 40. It's even 40. Experience is everything when it comes to closing down games and shutting down games and getting wins. And at this current juncture, at this current moment, Gregory Soto has more experience than anyone else in that bullpen at doing that. And, and I might add, he had a chance to lose the job last year. AJ never named a closer until the end of last year. We both agree that AJ is a very, very good judge of who can hold that role and who cannot hold that role. And Soto proved to him last year that it it is Soto's job. I don't agree with, with, with the decision, especially if you're going to, you take the team the direction that they have the second half of this year and, and they're clearly looking to you know maybe take a take a half step back and and you know develop a little bit more for the rest of this year if you're going to do that you may as well give somebody else the opportunity and and I would appreciate that just because I don't I don't I just and, and it's very clear I have this bias I don't like so out of the back end and I, I've said that a couple times so far I think he's the best closer we've had in five years He's better than K-Rod ever was. He's better than Joe Nathan ever was. You're talking about a... I'm talking about one of the best... Seven-year-old, a 27-year-old who hasn't hit the peak of his career yet, hopefully, or two upper 30-year-olds that have already hit their peak and are on the downturn. It's well, still, right. You're comparing no, I, apples to oranges. Well, no, because they both came in at... I mean, I know they were at the downtrend of their career, but they still were very capable closers. And I mean, like to say that they like almost ruined their careers with Detroit is almost an understatement, which is crazy because those are both fantastic back into the bullpen arms. And Can I- like you just said, like you just said, you, you hope that Soto's not at his prime or whatever. I mean, don't you have to have some kind of experience to get to your prime or whatever? I mean, like, and, and to be fair, like, I mean, if we really think that the Tigers are going anywhere in the next three years, wouldn't you rather have him blow a save this year than in 2024? 
I need to go back real quick and, and correct something as well. You say Soto has more experience out of the back end of the bullpen. You have to be able to get out just out of the bullpen in general. And Gregory Soto has started out as a starter, as most <laughs> bullpen pitchers do. He became a relief pitcher three years ago, mm-hmm. two years ago, three years ago. So he hasn't even been coming out of the bullpen for that long, much less a closer. Right. But I mean, you have to also think about innings pitched in the major leagues. Gregory Soto has 183 innings pitched in the major leagues. A guy like Andrew Chafin has 380. It's more than double the amount of innings out of the bullpen. It's just. But as soon as you put him in a different position that he's not prepared for, he will not succeed. Like, I mean, like full stop. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I, I would have zero desire to put him in the ninth inning. It'd be a different conversation. If it would be, it would be a completely different conversation if we had a winning ball club and Soto oh, was 100%. doing this kind of thing. <laughs> it but really I mean, doesn't matter when, when it comes down to it. I agree. It's, it's a preference thing at this point for whoever AJ wants to come out of the bullpen, just because it doesn't matter. And he wants to see it. And if you want to see how Soto does out of the bullpen for the rest of this year. I guess there's not really a much I can say because he's 27 again, third year closing games. He's an all-star, I guess. And there's, there's not other, you know, glaringly obvious options. So I, I, I can't disagree with anything you're saying, to be honest with you. I just don't like what he brings with his current, with his current control and the, and the way he, you know, you can tell within the first three pitches what kind oh, of yeah. an outing it's going to be. Absolutely. And you can't have that in a, in a major league closer. You, that can't be a thing. No, for sure. And we can both agree. Like, I mean, like, no, no matter what, we think that, like, who should have come in or who should come in when a save is at stake. I think Chafin would have been a much better option to pitch the inning that Soto pitched and blew the game. I think a 0-0 ball game, again, non-closer, someone who has experience, someone who has done this before, whatever. I mean, like that's a perfect situation for Chafin, but no, we went to, we went to Soto because he has this high leverage key term on over his head. No, no misuse of bullpens. It's frustrating. And for some reason it just never goes well for any manager and it it gets a lot of people in trouble, but here we are Um, to keep the bad news coming. uh, Our only pitcher, our only starting pitcher that uh, dodged injuries for the entirety of the year is uh, well, no, no longer dodging injuries. What happened to your boy, Josh? I mean, we could probably look at this as a positive if, if it's not a major injury. Uh, probably, I don't think he needs Tommy John. That's what probably halted any uh, trade talks dead in their tracks. That is that is very true. That is that is very very true. I we touched on it a little bit last week, but obviously Scooble is now on the IL. We didn't we didn't have that confirmation as of last week, but now we do. Um, and it's uh, the official word is. Please hold. I had it, but I was looking at another tweet. That is my bad. Man, now I gotta go to Tiger's PR. I wish you could open like multiple tabs with the Twitter app. But, That'd be uh, pretty nice. I mean, you can on. Uh, but oh, for sake it? of consistency, tweet deck or whatever it's called. Yeah, I don't have to be deco. 
Uh, yes, 15-day IL retroactive to August 2nd with left arm fatigue. That's right. I knew it was something very odd. Left arm fatigue. Yeah, I mean, they, the messaging from the Tigers so far on it has not been it, – it's been very much like, oh, we're just going to give it give them some time to rest it, and it doesn't sound bad. But we've heard all of that before with, you know, Funkhauser and – Cisnero to start the year, you know, most notably with Casey Mize and Matt Manning, both of them, it was like, oh, well, just 15 days, we'll just give them a rest. And it turned into three months for Manning and 15 to 18 months for Mize. So just, just very frustrating and not to beat a dead horse, but, you know, clearly there's something going on with this, uh, with this squad and the training staff specifically, the, the, the training staff. Yeah. So not, not gonna, not gonna go too deep into that side of it. We've already done it. If you want to hear any of that and you missed it, it's two, I think a couple podcasts ago, we went into it pretty, pretty deeply. And okay. I, I just wish it wasn't so. And, but like I said, maybe there's a silver lining if it's not serious and it kept him on the Tigers. So it's true. It's true. Um, Erod. Also has the potential to come back. They're saying late August. He threw a uh, like three innings in high A, um, in in single A Lakeland. So can't wait for him to come back. I I am so interested. I wonder if they're gonna do like a like a team meeting or something when he comes back. There's gonna like we said before. There's gonna have to be something. He's gonna have to make an accounting of himself if he's gonna be on this team for any longer than this year because guys guys will remember that guys will when it, when it comes yeah, down I to think, it they'll be like that guy he had his other stuff was too important you know i think if they were going to try to like get rid of him or avoid his contract or whatever i think that time is like kind of passed but yeah i mean you're right, right? like there's got to be some kind of accountability like like i mean I, clearly he's probably going to be a part of this team for the next few years whatever it is right don't i wasn't i wasn't saying that he was he's not going to be a part of the team i was mostly saying that he has to he has to say something yeah yeah no for sure um, so look for that in late August. Um, and then Kerry Carpenter, man, he's just doing his thing. And he just cannot catch a break when it comes to getting the call. Daz Cameron got the call again before Kerry Carpenter. Like, I, no offense to Daz. Like, he's actually been pretty clutch for us sometimes. And he actually has, you know, again, kind of some maturing and some uh, grooming that has to be done with him. But I mean, like, he could turn into he could turn out to be a great fourth outfielder, but this Kerry Carpenter kid deserves a look. He hit his thirtieth home run in the in during the minor league season. Obviously, not all for Toledo, not all for AAA, but this last one was a grand slam, and it has well, it, me thinking that like Toledo is like better than the Tigers. Full stop. I mean, it's been said before, the majors is very different than AAA, and there's a reason why all those guys are down there and not up in the majors. But not to defend this front office, but I know that there's some 40-man roster-type moves that would have to be made to get Kerry Carpenter on the team. Uh, we've already seen some uh, some moves happen with the 40-man where you know Derek Hill got DFA'd, and he's now a Seattle Mariner, for anybody who missed that. Um, for him to win a World Series this year. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, he needs, he needs a, he needs a shot. This kid, uh, he's hit quite, quite 
quite a bit less homers, more doubles and more for average in AAA than he did in AA. He's still hitting in the three hundreds in AAA, and with That's you know like a, it, I mean, if you could, I'd take an average hitter at this point over home runs. It just They're more fun at bats for sure. We learned cons- that with Torque and Green. Uh, <laughs> right, right. Uh, I am, dude. I am fired up, fired up about Isaac Pacheco. I am. This Our newly minted white cap. Yeah, you gonna go and uh, go and see him? I, you know, I really need to because I, I miss. I mean, I was said just said something bad about Torque, but I miss the opportunity to see Torque, <laughs> and obviously Torque lit up West Michigan. And uh, he's, of course, joined by our uh, newly minted draft pick, Jace Young. And uh, they're, they're white caps now, and they're doing things. Um, I know Pacheco hit a home run, like, in his first or second game or whatever. Both. Back, back-to-back uh, games, his first two oh, games. Oh, okay. His first game was a was an oppo, oppo taco. Kind of almost a little bit of a wall scraper, which you, you aren't – you know, completely fired up about, but then, then the second game, he hit a ball 420 it. some feet in, in single way. So we're like fans of that. It. We're fans of it. I mean, the white caps are back. Not that they ever went anywhere. Cause I'm pretty <laughs> sure they're like 30 games over 500 at this point. The white caps are good, dude. I don't mm. know like what the playoffs look like for single a baseball, but Gotta be kind of electric, right? I think they do the first half champion, second half champion, and they play. Oh each other yeah, that vague. I vaguely remember that. Yeah. So yeah, maybe I should go get some tickets. Uh, we'll we'll have to see about that, but we'll we'll keep you guys posted on Isaac Pacheco and Jace Young and all the other Whitecaps that are probably going to win a championship before the Tigers do. I don't. Um, to to, to kind of compare your situation to mine, I don't get the chance to watch. Any any high draft picks play over here in Fort Wayne anymore? No, your Robert the, Hassel the third is gone. The Padres shipped out every decent player to Washington. And I mean, again, we, we talked about it last week, but I think the Nationals made out pretty well with that. I think that'd be okay. And you you've good. seen it firsthand. I mean, like that that Robert Hassel, uh, he's gonna be a stud. Yeah. Yep. They're very excited about watching him. Saying I was watching him in the minors. So, Josh, we've done 18 episodes now. This is episode 19. And episode one, when we were still babies, when we were still younglings, when we were still podcast babies, um, we put out some predictions for our boys. Oh, how naive we were. And uh, any other year. You know, maybe we would have left this for uh, the end of the year to uh, maybe go back and laugh at our predictions. Uh, but I feel like this year is is important to uh, maybe go and reassess some things. Um, and uh, that is specifically the win total. Um, for those of you that didn't listen to episode one, I said the Tigers would win. 87 games. You said they'd win 85 games. That's not going to happen this year. <laughs> that's that's not that's not going to happen this year and we have 52 games left. And again, the Tigers sit at 43 and 67. Josh, how many how many wins are, are our boys going to get this year? 
I I think six low sixties, something like sixty three. I think that's it's within the realm of possibility. I think sixty seven, and that's just because I want to watch fun baseball for the rest of the year. If I'm wrong, I won't be surprised, and I think it probably could be closer to that. But how many things had to go wrong for us to be talking about a win total in the 60s? I mean, we've been over it this whole season on this podcast. Anything that any pitcher that could get injured got injured. Any hitter that we wanted to at least stay consistent with what they had been doing fell off the face of the earth. You know, the, the rookies haven't hit for the most part. I mean, green's been holding his own for the most part. Every free agent signing has been below expectations. I mean, can you name one, one, one player on this team that has performed to expectation? But that's not that's not a pitcher. No, 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 I no, you can't. <laughs> I think that just tells you all you need to know. And it like, I didn't think it was possible with with AJ being the manager and the coaching staff that we thought we had or whatever it is. Like I, I, I know that like injuries go a long way to derailing a. a season pretty quickly but i really didn't think there was a chance that that we were looking at this bad i mean we were talking about the what was it the the zigs or whatever it's called what's the what's the prediction what's the simulation they run zips Zips. yeah yeah we were talking about the zips thing being at 76.5 or whatever it was and i think i have it marked right yeah 77.5 and we were laughing at that we were laughing at that we were like, oh yeah, we're gonna beat that by 10 games. Easy. Easy. And we're not we might not even sniff 10 games below that. I I didn't think we'd be down this bad, but on a positive note, the only way to go is up. The only way to go is up. And Framil Reyes is no longer in the central. So he can't <laughs> hit home runs against us. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I don't think he's hit very well against us just in general. We still should have picked him up, Josh. We still, we shall, we, uh, $1.5 million. And for that cheap, we didn't take a flyer on Framil Reyes, who has been absolutely dominant against us. And yeah, I get it. He hasn't been good this year, like at all. He got DFA'd by the Guardians. I get it. You take a flyer on someone like that. But no, the Cubs, the Cubs spend some money. I mean, we had the same conversation off podcast about Denelson Lamette. And he, I, he I'm more and more the convinced there's something, there's something wrong with his arm because I feel like that just I mean, someone would have picked him up if there wasn't something wrong. Oh, he's he's, he's on the, the major league roster for the for the Rockies. Oh, oh, they picked him up. Mm-hmm. When did this happen? Uh, it happened a while ago. I thought I sent that to you, but maybe not. It happened a couple, two, three days ago. <laughs> I just, my, I want to know that we were in on either of these two people. There's no, no, no one will say that. No, no one will let you know. There's no way, there's no way to know. <sighs> well, the one uh, glimmer of hope we had this year is uh, no longer a glimmer of hope. 
and uh, dropping precipitously in his average category is one Miguel Cabrera. At one point, he was batting over 300. Do you know what his average is now? I think it's in the 260s or something, yeah, right? Yeah, two, 267. 267. And uh, this, of course, has gotten the media a little stirring, you know. Um, so some questions were asked. And it finally came out a few days ago that uh, our beloved Miguel Cabrera, his, his knee is not doing well. And so much so that he, uh, he, had, he had some comments that were a little hasty on his end. And, uh, you know, I think this is not the first time that Miggy's done this whole, like, oh, I'm going to say something and then quickly maybe get in trouble by someone and then have to backtrack it. But he literally went as far as saying that he, he's going to talk to his agent. He's going to reassess at the end of the year. And he's going to do some planning for, for next year and what even next year looks like. Now, I don't know about you, but that sounds like retirement. That sounds like he was going to talk to AJ. He was going to talk to his agent and maybe just forfeit the last year of his contract. From a guy and, that has one year left on his deal and is in his upper thirties dealing with injuries. Yeah. There's no other way that that could, uh, that could end up. And it was clear, like he he's in some chronic pain. Like, I mean, we've known that for a long time, but I think this is the first time we're like, I don't know, like, Captain America showed some chinks in his armor or something. You know what I mean? Like, like we never really, we know it's there, but this year specifically we really haven't seen it. So I've kind of forgotten about it, but I mean, he's had knee injuries forever and he's just been so good this year and, and played through it that there's just been barely any thought of it, but no, now, I mean, like he, he's, he has been playing less and that was pretty obvious. And then AJ finally came out, and uh, said specifically, um, said specifically this. I'm scrolling down to the Twitters, talking about Mickey's future. Um, the man, I had the quote. Where is it? There it is. Uh, quote: I don't think it's going to get a ton better. Instead of Cabrera's knee, he has his good days. He has his bad days. I'm obviously very concerned because with his age and how he's much and how much he's played, there's no real resolution other than you fight through it. That doesn't sound very endorsed. Like that doesn't sound like a ringing endorsement for Miggy and and the the status of his health. And then yeah, Miggy then says his whole quote about going to talk to his agent and yada yada yada. And at this point, we're like, oh, geez, right? I think we text each other. We're like, is he done? Like, is he calling it was, quits? It was very out of left field, the whole, like, we had noticed that he had been out of the lineup every few days, like, like close to every two, three days he'd been out, which is more than he started the year resting. And I, I it kind of creeped in. I hadn't really thought too much about it, but then these comments came out very, very, quickly and suddenly and just took me off guard. I was, I mean, I, I thought just like you and most other Tigers fans, it seemed like that. I mean, this, this might be his, uh, his last couple months in the, in the bigs. So I, I thought the same thing you did. Now, what do we think the phone call was like? <laughs> what do we, what do we, what do we think the phone call was like between Miggy's agent and Miguel Cabrera? So here's, here's kind of what I'm, what I'm thinking happened. 
I think that some of some of these comments that Mickey made uh, originally, you know, with a little bit of frustration on his part with how his how his knee was feeling uh, that day. I think there was a little bit of uh, potential, a little bit of an overreaction on his part uh, because I, I'm assuming his agent called him and said, "Hey." is your is your knee is your knee actually feeling that bad like is is this actually true what you, what you were what you were saying today and i think mickey probably slept on it and talked to his agent the next day or that evening after he'd had some time i think he probably was like yeah actually not really not not that bad i probably exaggerated a little no bit. i for 32 million dollars i think i can play another year you know i think, I think we can we can last it out I, you know, what's most sad about it too, when like all this came down and like when there was still a possibility of him retiring, uh, I was the only thing I could think about was the fact that he didn't get a, like a curtain call from everyone else, you know, like from the whole league, like David Ortiz went around the whole league and every time like his final stop at a place, like they had like a celebration for him. Um, same kind of thing happened with Pujols. Like, I mean, it's kind of happening this year where, you know, like he kind of has like one last go about everyone around the league and it's a cool moment. It's a cool, it's a cool uh, celebration of, and, you know, kind of breaking down some barriers. And I think Miggy is one of those transcendent names that when the time truly does come and we're thinking it's definitely next year, um, I want him to have his opportunity to go around the league and get the recognition he deserves. Um, it would have been sad if it was this year. It really would have been. And it would have been kind of like, oh, wow, we're here. And he has very little time to, you know, say his goodbyes or whatever. And I don't think he's leaving the game. I don't think like, I, I think he's still going to be an integral part of the Tigers organization. He's already kind of said that. I don't know what, in what capacity. And I don't know if it's like immediately after he retires, but I don't think he's gone from baseball, like a Victor Martinez or something. Um, but all I have to say, false alarm. <laughs> Chris, Chris Pekoski today came out and said, no, no, you got the scoop. It's not, not happening. Miggy will be playing next year. Now, I think it is going to be interesting to monitor his, like, his actual playing time. Like, I, I, I he's kind of running on, like, an every other day right now. Like, Hinch is already kind of sitting him through the lineup. And, and obviously, a whole offseason, you get some rest, you get some um, conditioning in, you're a little bit better, you feel a little bit better to begin the next season. But I wouldn't be surprised if by the All-Star break, he is mostly bench warming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to really depend on his health and where he thinks he's at and how much he can play. We know he can play through pain. He's done it since basically his, you know, dominant years, even those years he was playing through pain with ankle and knee and stuff like that. So it's going to really come down to whatever he thinks he can do. Um, I don't know how it looks, but if he wants to be on this team next year, if he wants to have that roster spot, he's going to have to play. He's going to have to, you know, be available to play. Not saying that he won't, but he uh, he won't be doing that if 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 he's not able to play. The Tigers will have to figure out some way to to free up that roster spot because a team that 
you know, they've kept saying that they're they're not rebuilding and that we're building here. If if you're really going to do that, you got to either develop talent or you got to bring in talent that's going to hit now. And both of those include getting them playing time. And if you're going to have a guy that's sitting every other day or every two, three days, I don't just a smart franchise that wouldn't be, that wouldn't work. And I understand it's Miguel Cabrera. I understand that it's a little bit different than just some old dude, but it's going to be tricky. It's going to be awkward no matter what way it goes, to be honest with you. I just, mm-hmm. I don't see this ending smoothly. Really? I just, it's not ever been smooth with Miggy. It's just the smoothest thing that's happened career change wise for Miguel Cabrera was torque starting this year on the major league roster and playing first base. It's probably the smoothest it's been. Yeah. And I mean, that's recent. I think that was uh, one Miggy knew it was coming. You know what I mean? I think he understood his place and he still understands his place in the organization. I, I think, I mean, yeah, I think the Miguel that maybe you're speaking of is, is three or four years ago. Yeah. But, but we're talking about a Miggy that, in this case, he's still going to, you know, make his money and still be on the team and be available. This, the, the Miggy that I'm envisioning is a, is a Miggy that uh, might not be making his money and might, may not be on the team. I think that changes the situation significantly. Yeah. But as long as he's hitting singles and driving in runs, I mean, he's like, he's still almost leading the team in RBIs this year. I mean, he's, he's still being a productive player. I mean, I know the war stat and whatever it is, he'll never be a, a positive war player probably ever again. But I mean, he was productive this year. Yeah, but if he, we wouldn't be saying that if he was playing every other game from opening day till now. No, I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't think so. I, I don't know. I think it, I think it'll go smoother than than we're thinking. I mean, like, it's not going to be an Albert Pujols situation with the Angels. I'll put it that way. And there's really no other team for him to go to. He's not going to go back to the Marlins. right not obviously not apples to apples with that but it's about the closest that we have true true but i I also think that like there's a lot of there's a lot of goodwill between the tigers and and miggy now and i don't think they're there that is true that is very true they're not gonna let that go the opposite way but i don't know time will tell we still have another year of miggy i'm happy with that it's gonna be really weird when we have a yeah an open dh spot when was the last time the tigers had an open dh spot that we're not even we're not even sure who's gonna fill that spot that's weird yeah yep maybe scope and then maybe jace young can debut next year i'd be okay with it i wouldn't hate it i mean scope's been good on defense so i don't i don't know that you need to take him out of that spot um in a very sad note, and something that we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about, uh, just real quickly, um, Vin Scully passed away. Um, and obviously, like, uh, I mean, speaking for me, speaking for myself, um, you know, obviously Dodge, Dodgers broadcaster for the last you know, 67 years up until 2016, um, the longest tenured broadcaster in all of baseball, and pretty much the voice of baseball. When you think of a baseball broadcast, you probably are playing a Vin Scully reel in the back of your head. And whether you know it or not, his voice is the voice of baseball. 
And just because you're not a Dodgers fan or just because we're not Dodgers fans or whatever it is, he's still integral to the, to the sport. And like, you know, I never knew the guy I knew of him. Right. We obviously watched plenty of Dodgers games with him at the helm. Everything I've heard is that this guy was a class act. I mean, this guy, like, I mean, like he, there was no better heart in baseball and you've heard about Ernie Harwell when he was the Tigers broadcaster way back when, and you know, everyone just wanted to be Vince Coley. And it's really sad to see someone like that go. I know that the Dodgers obviously are doing their, you know, they did their ceremony for him, And actually a lot of teams had a moment of silence for him. And you know, you've like transcended fandom when, you know, you're a broadcaster and, and other teams are doing like moments of silence for you. Um, so yeah, just a quick moment on that. Any, any thoughts there? I, you know, obviously we don't, we didn't get to experience the peak of his, you know, his fame, but, you know, I, no, you reading, and I were probably about, uh, I don't know, realistically 25 years out from, <laughs> but I, I do remember watching quite a few, my, my grandpa would always tell me, Hey, the Dodgers game is on. We should watch. We should listen to Vince Gully. He, he would, he would say that he introduced me to him and it's, it's super cool for me on a couple different levels, just because my grandpa is such a special person to me, but also the fact that, you know, just explain what a good, just what a decent broadcaster brings to a baseball game and the kind of lore that can happen. It's, it's so incredibly special. I think most like more in baseball than any other sport, what a, bro, what a broadcaster brings to the table because it's such a visceral part of the game. And Vin Scully was the epitome of that for, like you were saying, not just the Dodgers, mostly the Dodgers. You think Vin Scully, you think Los Angeles Dodgers, but for baseball, like in history, you know, Kirk Gibson came out, had some comments about, you know, Vin Scully because he played for the Dodgers for a long time. You don't think about that, but so many iconic sound bites have come from that man and just it's super sad because it's uh it's a big part of sports and i mean tigers fans know all too well what something like this is to go through as a fan base with with ernie harwell and we would say a lot of the same things about ernie harwell you know obviously not quite on the the national level that vin scully is but vin scully is going to go down as one of the top broadcasters in sports period not just baseball. So, you know, rest in peace to Vince Scully. We're very sad for him and his family, but, you know, he had an amazing, amazing job and amazing life doing, doing great work for, for baseball, just the sport of baseball. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Rest in peace. Absolutely. And uh, I think, I don't know if there will be anyone quite who, who reaches the, the echelon of Vince Scully ever again. Um, I think the, the sport is going in a direction that probably doesn't lend itself to highlighting broadcasters so much. Um, especially now with like, you know, mic'd up situations and, and whatever it may be, it seems like there's definitely a lot of more divergence towards the players and stuff, which is fine. That, that's what the sport needs. But I mean, we're, we're talking about like 
the other day, Peacock did a whole broadcast without any broadcasters. And they just did like half inning interstitials in the stands. And like, I don't know. That was, uh, it was, it was whatever. I mean, it was, it was a fine way to do it, but it's also like, man, is something that's really holding the sport back the broadcasters or the play-by-play guys? I don't, I don't think so. And I think Vince Scully is proof of that, that, you know, a voice can absolutely transcend, um, you know, one, a group of fans, but then two, also the entire city. And, you know, he was, he was known nationwide. Um, you talk about Vin Scully and, and people light up immediately. So probably never going to be another one like him. And yeah, absolutely. Rest in peace. Um, On a more positive note, and that's something that I forgot to, to mention earlier as well. Uh, Lou Whitaker got his number retired this past weekend. Mm, mm-hmm. Yep. That, that is important. I meant to mention that. Gosh, darn it. That was what I, I meant. I knew I forgot a bullet point with Sunday's game. That was Sunday's game, right? Or no, Saturday, that was Saturday's game, right? Yes. Yep. Because okay, we. Okay. Cool. We, then I don't feel it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the the attendance was what I wanted to what I wanted to note on one of those games, but obviously it was Saturday, not Sunday. But yeah, it was the highest attendance since opening day, um, this year, and then the the highest like non opening day since what like twenty sixteen or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, kudos to Lou Whitaker. Absolutely awesome that that finally happened. Uh, I was actually a little jealous that we didn't go to this game because it would have been another highlighted game. Um, I obviously was not watching the Tigers when Lou Whitaker was playing second base or yeah. Second, was he shortstop or second base? Uh, Second base, I believe. And that's, I was going to mention that too. Like it's not, we don't, we we're not featuring him, his Jersey number getting retired and stuff like that. Very prominently. We don't have the biggest touchstone, to Lou Whitaker, just not from our era. And we understand what he is to baseball. He, you know, looking at the numbers definitely needs to be in the hall of fame with, with the numbers that he has, but yeah. Yeah. Credit to that. And uh, I hear the Tigers put on a pretty good showing. So um, they've been good with their celebrations this year. If only they could play better baseball after the celebrations, but I digress. (laughs) Josh, what do we got this week of games? Well, we have three games starting tomorrow, Tuesday, against the Cleveland Guardians in Detroit. And then we've got three games in Chicago starting Friday against the White Sox. And Casey, I have a story to tell you oh. about this this week's of games here. I'm excited. I don't know what the story is. I was perusing the Twitters uh, this afternoon, and somebody... I forget who, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention them because I feel like that's only fair. Uh, I I saw a tweet. It was by a good friend. Uh, I believe it is Glove Boy on Twitter. Glove Boy, if you're listening, appreciate you. Some good Tigers content over there. Um, he put out a tweet. It was uh, retweeting the Bally Sports weekly lineup. Just the Bally Sports tweet saying what games are going on this week. Mm-hmm. And he retweeted it and said, we're miraculously going to go 6-0 and this week. Going to win all the games. And I was feeling kind of down on this Tigers team. And I made a pretty bold claim on Twitter, Casey. I replied to him and I said, if we do any, any better than 4-2, and two, I will shave my head. Oh. 
oh no oh no is this real yep yep so i i'm feeling some kind of way about the tigers this weekend or this week so i've got some some, uh personal situations on the line here with the the tigers this week i don't i'm trying to imagine you with a bald head i think you'd look a lot like i i don't know if you've ever seen breaking bad but you'd you'd look a lot like heisenberg you you you... (laughs) see the old older guy with the goatee is that yeah i mean spoilers for that show but yes yes he he is he's the he's the main character that you think of I think my uh, my facial hair might save me if if that comes to fruition. I don't think that if we go four and two, you know, kudos to the Tigers, and I will I will gladly shave my head and post it all, and well, wow. I will I will I'm not no chickening out over here for sure. But well, I I am excited for this. <laughs> uh, we will report back next week. <laughs> um, it's important to note too. Um, I will be going to either one of the games next week, Monday, that's their doubleheader in Cleveland or both games. I don't know. We have tickets to the, uh, it's actually technically a traditional doubleheader. So when we have one ticket, we get into both games. Um, so I, I will be, uh, probably out of town either Sunday and Monday or Sunday or Monday. So we're probably going to record on Saturday. So hopefully by that point, the Tigers have already lost all the games they need to, and you don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to shave your head and we don't have to be waiting in uh, with bated breath there. I, for your sake, hope they go. zero and six. That's what I, <laughs> I thought you were going to say, you hope they go six and zero. I don't that... think I'm ready for you to go bald. I don't think I'm ready for that. You know, I appreciate that. I, half of me is kind of, I need something to, I need to feel something. something spice this. Up. Yeah. I need to feel something from this Tigers team right now. And that's fair. Maybe that's what I need. Okay. Yeah. Investment. Well, I'm not doing anything. I hope you do. Like I'm not, I, no, that's, <laughs> I'm not that is fine. That's fine. I'm not. My hair is already thinning. I don't need it to <laughs> be escalated or, you know, make it go faster. I don't, I don't need that to happen. Um, where can they find us, Josh? We are on Twitter at old English pod. Here, that's where we're at on Twitter, and uh, we we look forward to any sort of interactions we have on there. Hopefully, a, a bald-headed man doesn't doesn't increase our viewership too much, but may, maybe it will. Maybe that's what our Twitter needs to. <laughs> oh man! Well, look forward to that for next week. Otherwise, I hope you have a fantastic week, and I hope you <laughs> don't have to shave your head. Um, thank you guys so much for listening, Josh. Thanks for joining me. As always, have a great week and go Tigers. Tigers.